it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by horror writer Hugh. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kat. How are you? Ah, you know, pretty actually pretty good. Tomorrow's the Easter show, although this episode will come out in, like, four weeks. So <laughs> um, I'll just tell everyone the Easter show was amazing, and I saw some baby pigs and chickens. That's the most important part. Well, that does sound like a good day, actually. Yeah, I think yeah, I think uh, I'm quite jealous yeah. of you. you. You should you should come to Australia and go to the Easter show. It's the best thing that Australians ever invented, besides like Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's okay. I can understand that. Um, you know, I think any excuse to get out in the country is a good excuse. So yeah, no, that sounds good. <laughs> just leave. See ya. See ya. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll just tell the kids. Kids, I'll be back in a month. I'm off to Australia for some. Go to the Easter show. <laughs> So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, because you do, like, you're a, you're a writer, and you do, uh, like, I this is, because it's 8pm, my brain's already switched off. You, <laughs> you're a film critic. <laughs> tell yeah, us no, about I, everything you do. I do a bit of everything. Um, so over the last five years or so, I've been uh, writing short horror stories. Um, I've had them published in loads of different anthologies, um, a couple of online anthologies as well. Um, I write a bit of everything, you know, it's like I do uh, sort of cosmic horror, sort of slasher, traditional monsters, just basically whatever the mood strikes me. Um, and very often I try and tie it to sort of uh, my Scottish roots, you know, you'll find in most of my stories there'll be something related to Scotland, which uh, I suppose that's like a lazy trope, but I do enjoy doing it. Um, everybody's like a, a mick in their surname somewhere or, you know, uh, some bit of tartan that they're wearing, there's always something in there. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for about five years, um, working on my novel, um, but I feel like I've been saying that for a hundred years, so yeah. if I find time to actually finish that novel, we'll come one day, so we'll, we'll get there. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm also um, a staff writer for the, the London Horror Society, and I've been working there for about three years, so while I've been working there, we do I do a lot of film reviews, uh, interviews with directors, actors, uh, writers, um, and just recently attended the, the Glasgow Fright Fest. That's the first film festival that I've attended in person. That was terrific fun. Um, and yeah, not a, a little bit of everything, to be honest. I've got a few a, a few things on other websites. You know, I'm kind of you'll see my name crop up in all sorts of places. But yeah, anything horror, and I'm I'm not too far away from it, really. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying before, like you, you said to me, "Oh, I'm a, I'm cliche," and I was like, "Ah, uh, same." <laughs> <laughs> I have a podcast. Yeah, no. I, I I review films. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's like um, when I was talking there about uh, you know I always have something vaguely Scottish in my stories. It's like yeah, that's just because I read too much Stephen King and he feels that everything has to be like Derry or Maine adjacent. You know, yeah. so in my head it's like well no, I, I need to have something from Glasgow in here somewhere. So <laughs> we wrote that down. It's not just... me. <laughs> What's that? Just yeah, I'll just change that yes for an I. That'll be fine. That's cool. <laughs> That's good. How do you spell that? Is it A-I? A-Y-E. Oh, okay. A-Y-E. I, yeah. Oh, okay. the new and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll scotch it up right nice. <laughs> do you read Stephen King's writing with a main accent in your head? Because I definitely do. Yeah, it, it's hard not to, you know? <laughs> I think the problem is I've also listened to a couple of audiobooks where he has, like, narrated the short, a short yeah, story. Same. But I know his voice too well. 
And so it's like you, you, everything you read is in his voice. It's like, yeah. this is actually affecting me now. It's I was problem, reading Billy you know? Summers and I was like, can I just read this without Stephen King's voice <laughs> narrating it for me? Yeah, it's not it's even set in Maine. It's in like DC. <laughs> what? Am, what? This is wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a genuine issue. It's a genuine issue. It really is. So the film you uh, asked us to talk about today is It Follows. Why did you, mm. why do you, why It Follows? Right, so, I mean, It Follows is one of those films that the first time I saw it, it was just, it felt like you were watching something utterly alien and unique. Um, it's got a great premise, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, got, it's got one of those, like, it's easy to explain in, in sort of like 30 seconds what's happening in this film. But there's so much going on under the surface and... If you didn't know better, you would say it was a John Carpenter film. You would say that, you know, that it had been made in the 80s and it's it's so strikingly unique that, you know, it's one of those films I've gone back to over and over again. Yeah, it does feel like that 80s, um, like dreamlike mm. uh, films, especially like the aesthetic that A Nightmare on Elm Street has in the dream sequences, yep. I feel like is very, like a very heavy influence on this film overall. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think, I think all the, the, those sort of like big eighties films are, are kind of, you know, are, are there within the body of the, of the film. I think Halloween in particular, for me, when I, especially on rewatches, it, it's so striking how similar it feels to some of the early moments in Halloween. Um, you know, they make great use of the frame, and your your characters are all are always sort of central, and there's so much blank space behind them for you to kind of. You feel like you're always watching the frame for it or for something. In the same way that the first thing you see Michael Myers in Halloween, suddenly, where is he? He could be anywhere. You're always looking, like, is he around that bush? Yeah. What's going on? Um, and it's even, it has that sort of autumnal sort of feel about it, you know, where it, it almost feels it could be happening around that same sort of time of year. Um, and it, it's just, it's so engaging. It, and I, I found, I, mean, I think I've seen it maybe like four times now. And yeah. each time... I feel like I come away with something new. Like when I when I watched it for this last night, I definitely came out thinking like, with new theories on what happened or what certain scenes meant. And I love that. I love that when you get a film that that's that's rich enough to kind of stand up to repeated viewings. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of horror films don't always have that watchability where you can just go, "Oh, I'm going to watch that again." I think yeah. the only other films that I've really done that with is Ready or Not and mm. malignant lately like they're films that i can just watch on repeat malignant yeah. i will die on that hill i don't care what malignant is terrific it's it's currently um, in the uk that is currently one of the, the main films that's airing on sky television so oh, it's wow. almost, it feels like almost it's on a, a repeat loop like every four hours that it's on again <laughs> and if i don't have anything on and if i'm just sitting on the sofa <laughs> i always just flip it over like right let's see what gabriel's up to what was he up to just now oh excellent <laughs> We're oh, at the prison okay. scene. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's... And that's me locked in for, for half an hour. I thought, well, I'll just watch this to the end. Then. That's fine. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> one of my favourite, like, top five, one of my top five scenes of all time in a horror movie. Yep, I, I would agree with that. And, Sensational. And it, it's so funny. And oh, yeah. I, I love that it knows that it's funny. There's, there's so many films that, that kind of, like, accidentally give off that vibe, but Malignant leans so hard into it that, I remember seeing some sniffy reviews at the time saying it's like, oh, it's a bit arch and it's a bit over the top. And you're thinking, yeah, that, that's yeah. what's so great about it. Why it's so silly. Like, 
people slagging it off. I'm just like, it doesn't take itself seriously. Why are you taking it so seriously? It, it, it goes to ridiculous lengths to not take itself seriously. Exactly. Um, you know, Why are you everything so mad about it? Yeah, everything from the choices that the actors are making in the scene, oh, the yeah. wig that some of them are wearing, the, the camera move, everything about it is, is so silly and it, it works perfectly. It's terrific. Yeah. I really I love it. It's a beautiful movie. movie. so a little bit about it follows it is a 2014 american supernatural psychological horror film written and directed by david robert mitchell so according to the production company the film's budget was 1.3 million dollars and was shot entirely in the state of michigan apparently for tax purposes Mm -hmm. so um a year after its theatrical release it had grossed over 20 million dollars wow that's pretty, uh, that's pretty, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you wonder why they, why they never went back to the well for a sequel, don't you? When it made that made that kind of money for a horror film. Yeah, um, that's yeah, and oh, far out. I'm trying to like it's it made twenty times the yeah. amount that it cost to make. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, and I I, I think I, I read something. I think I read the the director talking about it, saying that like he had an idea for a sequel, but it just nothing seems to have materialized, which is disappointing because. Yeah. As, as great as it is as a sort of like standalone vehicle, if, if, if they told me there was another one, I'd be quite excited, yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll go yeah. see that. Because it definitely mm-hmm. lends itself to have sequels. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So the film follows carefree teenager Jay, played by uh, Micah Munro, who is absolutely friggin' a powerhouse of an actress, who yep. sleeps with, um, I don't know if it's her boyfriend. It says in the description it's her boyfriend, but mm. they don't really know each other, to be honest. Yeah. Um, who like is boyfriend feels like a stretch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so she learns later uh, that she is the latest recipient of a fatal curse that is passed from victim to victim via sexual intercourse. Death, Jay learns, will creep exotic in exonerably towards her as either a friend or a stranger. Jay's friends don't believe her seemingly paranoid ravings until they they too begin to see the phantom assassins and band together to help her flee or defend herself. That is probably the most descriptive uh, <laughs> synopsis I've ever gotten from IMDb. <laughs> very good, yeah, very good. Because normally it's like two lines and you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> that told me nothing about the movie. <laughs> So uh, it received critical acclaim on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It holds a ninety six percent approval rating and a rating wow. average of which you know on Rotten Tomatoes that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and that's based on two hundred and sixty seven reviews. And the critical consensus is that the film is smart, original, and above all terrifying. It follows is the rare modern horror film that works on multiple levels and leaves a lingering sting. It has 83 out of 100 on Metacritic, which is... Yeah, that's yeah. astounding. I mean, it was one of those films, that I, I missed it when it when it came out. Like, so did it I, yeah. Me by. Um, and, and I'd heard so many people talking about it, I had rumblings about it. And like there was a there was a Quentin Tarantino interview, I think, in maybe Variety. And he was talking about it. He, he was talking about films that he'd seen that, that you know, that he enjoyed. You know how, how picky he is and how critical he yeah. can be. And he said that, um, that It Follows has got the best premise for a ho- any horror film he's seen in such a long, long time. But he had issues with the 
the rules of the of the film, which we'll, we'll get. I'll, I'll save that for later yeah. when we're talking about the rules, because I've, yeah. I've got an interesting theory on how that works. But he said, as a premise, it's almost perfect, and, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, and mm. it, it is the thing that kind of that jumps out at you. You know, it's it's so easy to, to just get behind this this story. Um, yeah, and it, it's told so so succinctly. I mean, because I think the film's only what about an, an hour and forty minutes. It's not. It's not yeah, that it's not long. Very long. No. Yeah, but it, it it does so much in that short runtime. And oh, Michael Monroe. I know. You, I know you mentioned she is so good. Such a yeah. What an amazing actress. And I think did she do? I think the guest was the same year, wasn't it? With, with uh, Dan Stevens. I think so. Either the, yeah, either the same year or the year after. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure. It's like what. What a, what a double bill and what a conductor. Yeah. Put those two films together on, on like a, oh, I would. a screening and that'd be there, you know. <laughs> that'd be amazing. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Uh, so writer and director uh, David Robert Mitchell conceived the film based on recurring dreams that he had in his youth about being followed. He says, mm. I didn't use those images for the film, but the basic idea and the feeling that I got, I used. From what I understand, it's an anxiety dream, whatever I was going through at the time. Uh, my parents divorced when I was around that age, so I imagine it was something to do with that. So he mm. says that the role of the sexual transmission didn't come into play until a lot later, obviously. And uh, But yeah, so he had these like dreams where he felt like he was being watched all the time and being followed. How paranoid would you be after that? Yeah, that's horrendous. I mean, no, thanks. <laughs> I, I think... I mean, I think what what he's saying there that plays into the way the film looks, you know, because that as you said earlier, there, there is a dream like logic to it, and it, mm. it doesn't really make sense in a lot of times, you know, a, a lot of things about it don't stack up. But I think that's on. I do think that's on purpose. I think the director knows yeah. what he's doing there. Um, I mean, because like uh, even something as simple as like the weather, you know, like it it looks very autumnal. I mean, you know, the leaves are falling from the trees. There's oranges. There's yellows. It's beautiful. And then she's out in her back garden swimming around the pool. Yeah, and, and you're know, just like, that'd and, be cold. Yeah, and then they're out at the beach sunbathing. And it, but, but again, it's like that just all plays into that idea that nothing here is right. Everything is slightly wrong. And uh, it, it's brilliant. It just creates this amazing atmosphere. Yeah, because I read on IMDb Trivia that uh, the intention was definitely that it was a very ambiguous time frame as well. Mm. You can't tell what time of year it is. You don't know what year it is. Yeah. You don't know anything, you know, because some of the cars that are there are from recent times, but then some of them are also very old. And then there's people, there's like CRT televisions, but then there's like the, even the way that they dress isn't very time specific. Yeah. Like there's nothing specific about it. Yeah. And like um, one of the girls, um, What's that? Is it Yara who has the the little shell reading device? Yeah. It looks like an e-reader. So she's got that, but it does, we don't look like we're in a world where that should exist yet. You know, because no yeah. one has mobile phones. There doesn't appear to be any internet being. I mean, when they no. when they begin to investigate what's going on, they have to like dig through high school yearbooks and their traveling places rather than what well, in most films. You know, they'd be like, just hop on Google. Just, yeah, jump on Google and we'll find it. <laughs> There's none of that in this film. Yeah, which I find really fascinating when you mm. think about it, because it's just like, okay. So that's why I think that contributes very much so to that like dream atmosphere that's established 100%. throughout the film. It's really cool. Um, yeah. So let's get into the movie. Okay. Uh, at the start of the film, we see a young woman fleeing from someone or something. 
She runs across the front yard of her house and takes off down the street. Her dad comes out basically running after her to check on her. Um, she's also on a phone at this point as well. Like she's talking on a cell phone. Oh, or so I think that that's the only cell phone use in the right. entire film. Um, and she runs inside, comes back out with a handbag, gets in her car and just leaves. She's gone. And the yeah. dad's kind of like, and and also (laughs) when she runs out of the house like she's she's wearing high heels yeah it's again i think that that plays into this like immediately you're on the back foot like what what is this i'm looking at why why is she why is she choosing those (laughs) those? (laughs) yeah do you know what I mean? Like, if she had to escape the house, like, was that all that came to hand? Like, well, I'll just put on my high heels and I'll, I'll go for they're a the only shoot. They're at the door, I'm putting them on, I'm going. <laughs> and then she drove in them. That's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I always take my high heels off before I drive anywhere. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drive with shoes on. If I could go everywhere without a pair of shoes on, I would. My partner oh, really? would be very disgusted. But I hate the feeling of wearing shoes. <laughs> it's a sensory thing. I hate shoes. Yeah. Well, that, that's it, yeah. socks Just a pair of socks. That's we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the next scene, we see her um, sitting on the beach with the headlights of her car shining on her. She calls her dad and tells him that she's sorry for being so unkind to him and that she loves him. And, you know, it's a very like what's going to happen? What is she going to do? Mm. What, is she going to hurt herself? Um, is she running away? Yep. And, and again, that, that because we can't see what's, what may or may not be coming from her, you know, it's like yeah. a stance to that confusion. It's like, what what actually is happening? Like, why is she here? And you're right, I've, I've forgotten that, that, that she used a cell phone for that, but you're right, that's the only time that we, we kind of see one in the film. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's just, it's such a, it's such a, a haunting opening, you know, it's so sad. Yeah, you don't know why. You don't. You don't know why it's sad. Well, we find out why. <laughs> we see her um, brutally murdered the next morning on the beach, and her like I have a real big thing with bones breaking, and I'm glad I didn't hear this. Um, so her leg is twisted, and her bone is seen sticking out, and she's kind of like laying face first into the sand, and her legs mm. are like broken up behind her, which is just grosses me out. Yeah, it's it's a horrifying image, and it's mm. like what we start your film off, you know. Um, <laughs> you know from the minute go that, th- that everything is wrong everyone's in trouble no one's safe you know yeah definitely and I love that you don't see what is coming for her like you mm-hmm. we don't get to see that so it's kind of left up to us as the audience to be like what what do we do what's going on what's chasing her she's obviously running well, away from something yeah I mean you're it's such a brutal jump cut from like her you know as you said saying goodbye to her family sort of sitting by the ocean everything seems peaceful and calm and then there's that sort of snap jump cut to what it's what it's done to her it's and you're right it's horrifying absolutely horrifying Mm. yeah uh we then see jay who is played by uh micah munro cleaning her pool and as the camera zooms out she climbs in and is floating around on her back her sister comes out and asks her if she wants to come in and watch a movie but she says i've got plans i'm going on a date later today uh this is also uh where the soundtrack kicks in too so the entire oh. soundtrack is well the score is composed by disaster piece and mm-hmm. i actually listen to this soundtrack quite regularly that's how much i i absolutely adore it i'm trying to get it on vinyl but it's so expensive 
it is fantastic, isn't it? And yeah. it, again, it, it really captures that feel of sort of like eighties horror. You know, it, it's yeah. it's sort of if if you didn't know better, you would say that John Carpenter had a hand in the score because yeah, it's absolutely. so <laughs> the sort of stuff that he puts together. You know, it, it's terrific. It is. Yeah, Disaster Beast does a fantastic job. I think um, they've done quite a few, not entire scores, but a few mm. songs on different soundtracks. I'm pretty sure me, no, I'm thinking of Pilot Priest. I'm thinking of someone else. Scrap that thought. Right. Um, <laughs> so the film switches to Jay, who is on a date with Hugh, played by Jake Weary, and they're at the movies. So while they're in line, uh, Hugh is talking about how envious he is of children and how innocent and um carefree they get to live their lives and mm. so he seems quite anxious quite you yeah. know he's very on edge <laughs> yeah i mean what what that teaches me is just never trust a man named hugh can't that's why i always say <laughs> good advice that, that's how i live my life mm. anyway <laughs> yeah i guess your wife didn't take that advice <laughs> <sighs> don't worry about that don't worry about that never talk about that it's fine it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i've tricked her <laughs> <laughs> While they're in the theatre, Hugh points out a young woman in a yellow sundress to to Jay. And Jay is sitting there saying, there's nobody there. What are you talking about? And so he's like, oh, we've got to go. We've got to get out of here. I'm done. Um, what the hell? Like, he, the way he's behaving is, mm. um, yeah, it gave me anxiety. <laughs> it's He's just so on edge and jittery and... I mean, how you get a second date is utterly beyond me. You know, what I mean, he's clearly quite a handsome man. He, he looks. Yeah, my, is, my, my daughter is. points. My daughter pointed this out to me that he looks like, um, like a sort of like skeevy Joshua Jackson. And now yeah. I can't see it. Like, <laughs> how does she know who Joshua Jackson is? Oh, right. So we watched um, Fringe with uh, with my daughter. She absolutely oh, loved it. She went through a phase for about two years of being madly in love with Joshua Jackson. <laughs> I like, love that. Insanely in love with him. And now, even now, if like, she sees his picture, because obviously, I f- t- terribly, I forget his wife's name, but she's quite a, a lot less successful actress just now. So Joshua Jackson very often shows up on her arm at red, you know, red uh, carpet galas, and my daughter just salivates over, oh, did you see this picture of Joshua Jackson last night, Dan? <laughs> No, That's no, so I, didn't. I didn't. Thanks, though. No, I don't follow Joshua Jackson on social media the way that you do. Yeah, I think the one you're looking for there can't stalk. I don't stalk him the way you do. <laughs> I love that. I was also in love with Joshua Jackson at your daughter's age, so I get it. Well, get it. It's, it's a reasonable stance to have, I think, to be honest. Yeah. He is a very handsome man. Well, he was in Dawson's <laughs> Creek then, so... Yeah, do you know? I totally, I totally missed Austin's Creek. That that one flew me by, but yeah, oh, really? he, he, caught, he caught me on fringe. He caught me on fringe. Yeah, I was. He was also in. Wasn't he also in Urban Legend and um, the Skulls? He was great in the Skulls. I he think, also. I think I'm... he appears in Scream Two for like thirty seconds in the uh, yeah. the film class. Remember when they're all yeah. debating sequels, and yeah. suddenly it's like Joshua Jackson's there. Why is he not in the rest of the film? I kept expecting what? him to show up again, and no, he's just gone. Why he was like a big hit then. Maybe yeah, they had to pay a lot of money just to have him in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> On their next day, uh, Jay and Hugh end up having sex in the back of his car where he um, chloroforms her. So quite a terrifying scene. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very, yeah, heavy in the content warnings for this movie, everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, see, again, as I said, I watched this uh, film with my, my 15-year-old daughter yeah. and obviously I told her the gist of what what's coming just so she knows and she was fine with yeah. all 
but but rather terrifyingly, she like after she watched that scene, she just turned to me. And she said, "Chloroform rag would take about five minutes to work down." <laughs> How do you know that? Why, Why do you know that? Why do you know that? <laughs> Very calmly, like yeah, it would take about five minutes to work, but. Okay, fine. I'm out. I'm out of that. I'm not even asking questions. Yep. Uh, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Yep. <laughs> when Jay wakes up, she finds that she's tied in a wheelchair and Hugh is waiting for her and explains to her that when they had sex, he passed this curse on to her. And this curse is an entity that only the person who carries the curse can see, which is now Jay. The entity, he tells her, you know, the entity can take the form of any person, uh, your family, a friend, a stranger, and will follow her unrelently, um, only at walking pace, until it, it catches her and kills her. And then it goes after the person previous to that. So he's trying to, you know, put that distance between yeah. them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's like, you've got to now go pass this curse on to somebody else. At that moment, um, Jay spots a naked woman walking towards them and Hugh uh, ducks out of there so damn quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, yeah. um, the 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 rules, I wanted to talk yes. about the rules. So, yeah. so, like, so as I've got them here, so it's, it, it will always follow you. It can look like someone you know or it can look like a stranger. There's only ever one of it. Um, sometimes it will look like people you know just to hurt you. Um, it can only be passed along with sex. Never go to a place with only one exit. Very slow, but it isn't dumb. Don't let it touch you. Now, do those rules all stack up like throughout the film? Because this is this is what I was talking yeah, about earlier. Interesting. So, so Quentin Tarantino was talking about how he loves the premise, but he said that the thing he didn't like about it is it doesn't follow the rules that it sets yeah. up. Right? Now, I agree with him, but I also kind of I kind of call bullshit on what he's saying because. <laughs> I think that's intentional. So we're only hearing the rules from Hugh, okay? Yeah. Who's only heard the rules from someone else. Yeah. Who's heard the rules from someone else. Who's heard the rules from someone else. Yeah. So I I don't think that's an issue. I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people talking about that and and I don't think that's a problem. I think the director knows. He's telling her what he knows. He's not telling her everything that it can do. And there are points later in the the film that where it appears to be behaving in a way that's contradictory to what she's been told. And again, we'll get we'll get to that as it goes, but I just yeah. thought it was worth kind of flagging up because I find that interesting that she almost tries to find a safety within the bubble of those rules, thinking, well, if I, if I just adhere to this, I'll be okay. But one of my favourite things about the film is, it's like, no, 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 no. It no, doesn't follow there, there is, there is anyway. no safety here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, you, you can you can follow these rules and they'll keep you as safe as, as, as they can, but it will always find a way to circumnavigate what's happening to it. And I, f- I find that fascinating. And again, it adds to that sort of like the nightmare of the film. It's like, yeah, nothing you do there will stop this rules now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it will be there. And it, it seems to really, it seems to really enjoy like hurting her and upsetting her mm. as, as the film goes on. And the naked woman that we see walking towards the the, 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 the abandoned building, um, that's Hugh's mum. Oh, really? Yeah. And again, it took me like two or three watches to catch that. Because you, you wouldn't catch it really the first time unless you're paying like super attention to faces. But having watched it a couple of times, when they eventually go to Hugh's house and the woman that answers the door is the naked woman that oh, was walking no. towards. It's horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. I didn't even pick that up. 
Yeah, it's, it, yeah. Like I said, I've watched maybe, it heaps of times. <laughs> you know, I think it was like maybe my third go round when, like, when she opened the door, I almost like gasped, like, "That's the naked lady. That's who that it makes is." So much sense, yeah. yeah that it, that that's who it would take form of to hurt mm-hmm. you. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I never. <laughs> so later on, um, Jay reports her assault to the police and is gone. She goes to the hospital to be examined. And I love that the police show up at the scene, um, finding pieces of evidence, including Jay's bag and the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like backs up her statement on the whole assault and everything like that. Although we don't really see anything with the police beyond this scene. Yeah. uh, And that that plays into this whole thing about how the the adults in the film are largely absent. You know, the film film goes to lengths, even when the adults are in the room, to have them facing away from the camera. Very rarely do you actually get to see yeah. any, any like uh, adult presence. Which again just adds to the weirdness because when things mm. really kick off for gear, you know, when it starts to when it really comes for her, like the, the children take extraordinary steps to combat it that yeah. you think would bring the attention of, of one of the parents, but no, like, they seem to be utterly yeah, no, nobody's interested. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So Oh, because I was meant to type something else here and I've forgotten to put it in here. So there's a scene with um her and her mother. Let me see yes. if I can... Yeah, and I can't remember... I, I wrote here, we hear her and her mother. That's all I wrote. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think that... There, there isn't huge much more than that. And, and again, I think that's the director showing that, you know, this isn't a story that's got anything to do with the adults. You know, it's like we're yeah. doing... Ex- exclusively with, her, with the younger with the cast. teenagers yeah. who also are very ambiguous in age as well like we know they're teenagers yes. but we're not certain how old oh. they are exactly yeah uh, because like you know, even when you there is one scene of uh, jay in school but there's no sort of like way to tell well, where is she in school what, what is she what at university is she, is she at yeah. school where uh-huh. it's very difficult to kind of pin that one yeah and i kind of like that so mm-hmm. mm. So the next day or a couple of days later, well, it has to be the next day, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. um, Jay spots an old woman in a hospital gown walking towards her at school. And so I love this because Jay looks up from her table and out the window and there's the woman. It's like a hereditary moment. (laughs) And the the woman is, and then the woman's closer. And Uh so she realizes that this is it coming Mm -hmm. for her. And she's like, okay, well, nobody else sees what's going on. And she kind of, you know, panic, like panics and is out in the corridor of school. And everyone's like, why are you behaving this way? And like, what's going on? Like giving the mm-hmm. looks and everything. And, um, you know, there's this woman still following her and nobody else can notice this woman. And I think like the great thing is that Jay is, doesn't need any convincing at, mm, in this yeah. movie at all. Like she's sold straight away. She's bought into it. Like she knows there's no denying that it's happening. Yeah. And I kind of really like that because, you know, if they were in, you know, to throw in some of that, oh, it's not happening until it happens kind of thing that, yeah, that kind of sometimes ruins a plot. Yep, 100% agree with you. It's like we're in a horror film, right? So the viewers don't need to be convinced of it either. And I feel a lot of times that's why that exists. It's like, oh, well, you know, if this was the real world, you would be like, no, that's not, that's not true. You know, that can't possibly happen. We don't need that. But we know the rules of the film we're in. It's okay just like, so you're right, she believes it from the word go. And yep. to be honest with you, if you saw that coming for you in your high school, you would you would believe it. You wouldn't need much yeah. convincing. 
yeah, and also don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the start of like when it when it appears. Um, it's almost always dressed in white, or it has some sort of yeah. white on it, and unless it's completely naked. Um, or, um, yeah, unless they're naked. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that you know I'm always you know you're always kind of looking for when when you get those sort of wide panoramic shots. Your, your eyes are constantly drawn to it, like, right, is there anyone in white? Is there anyone moving slightly yeah. in an odd fashion? Odd or looking um, very deadpan, like, absent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I think uh-huh. is just, I think that that's the terrifying thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it, it's it's that thing of, like, you don't know what's under the visage, you know? It's like, obviously, mm. it doesn't really look like these people. It's just how it's choosing to appear. Yeah. And it, it is horrifying, you're right, because it almost feels like it's just wearing a mask, you know, that these people are just, like, meat suits to it that it's using to get to where it needs to go yeah it it really gives you the shivers oh yeah because it's an entity that doesn't know how to behave human and so it's that uncanny valley Uh feeling that you get watching it because it's trying to mimic human behavior and then just makes it look so disturbing in a way yeah uh yeah it's like i can say this a few times now but it's true like everything's just slightly off like nothing yeah. seems quite right it's not not hugely upsetting or disturbing or weird but just slightly wrong and it's enough for you to just you know to put you on edge as a viewer as well yeah where you've noticed that it's off and you're like oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so she goes home later that night and that her friends paul who is absolutely in love with jay yes <laughs> um her, and her sister kelly agree to help her and um and her friend um, Yara as well. So mm-hmm. they, they're going to stay with her the night and um, watch out for her. So during the night, Paul hears a noise and goes and finds a smash window in the kitchen. He looks around, doesn't see anyone, but Jane sees um, the an, another naked woman yeah. um, with that the dark eyes um, walking towards her. She runs to go and tell the others, but they can't see anything. So yeah. they're just like, what the, I don't know. Jay, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but this is the scene that ab- terrifies me every single yeah. time is that incredibly tall man who like mm. stalks down the hallway out of the darkness, it, like into the room. That it yep. gets me every time. Oh, so, mm. that's, that's absolutely like one of my, that's one of my two favorite scenes in the film. Um, Everything about the construction of it is perfect. It's it's the minute you hear the glass shatter in the house, you're on you're on edge. You know, but it, it's coming for it. You know what it is. And again, because the film sets it out quite clearly, like it is coming for you. There's no way yeah. around this. So you know, as a viewer, that it's coming. And also, she's she's surrounded by a bubble of her friends. So, like, she should be safe. She should feel safe. And that's where it hits her hardest because it makes it when she is at her safest and our most secure is when it decides to kind of really go for her and it really yeah. it uses that most upset genuinely horrific image of the tall man oh, but yeah. even then when it first appears as the girl in in the kitchen that's really horrible because that poor that poor girl has obviously been murdered by it previously and that's the that's the image that it's taking it like she's broken yeah. and damaged and hurt mm. and mm. then the timing of the arrival of the tall man is unbelievable. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you have two sort of like, um, you have two moments where you think it's at the door 
and it's not. So the first moment is her friends that she lets them in, and then the second time is her friend Yara, and you think, oh well, that's alright, it's her. Yeah. And then there's just like there's just a beat, there's one beat, and then you see it in the distance uh, walking towards her. It now, kills me every time. Mm. <laughs> I watched it with my daughter, and uh, I've never ever heard the noise that she's made <laughs> like when she watched it scene ever since or before. Just this horrible gasping howl of feeling. <gasps> Like she just so, lost it. Yeah. yeah. It's and, just an indescribable moment. Indescribable, yeah. sorry. It's, it's horrifying. It's, it's genuinely horrifying. And she, um, like, the, the way she reacts, obviously crawling out the window in utter terror to get away from it. Yeah. It's perfectly reasonable. We would all do yeah. the same oh, yeah. anything <laughs> to get away from that thing. And, horrifying. oh, yeah, it's horrible. Absolutely mm. horrible. I'd love to know. I'd love to know where the decision came from. To, to, to use that 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 actor as, as its represent mm. as its representation because it's it's so unusual it's so unlike anything else it appeals as everything else is kind of normal looking yeah but here you've got this giant of a man with the sort of the dark sullen eyes and oh it's it's, it's kind of like nightmares. the uh, the midnight man in uh, ah. Gerald's game that's what it reminds yes. me of that's a very good show yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I looked I looked it up because I was I was interested. Uh, the, the guy that plays the tall man is, is Mike Mike Lanier, and he's seven foot seven. Holy moly! And, and he's one half of the world's tallest twins, which means <laughs> there's two of them. That's so, two of those. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. So, wow. Yes, that's so tall. Gigantic. Oh my god. That's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a it's a proper. Like, that's almost two of me. <laughs> yeah, it's properly heart stopping when you just consider yeah. the sheer size of that man coming after her it's oh it's brilliant brilliant yeah far out <laughs> so the <laughs> friends run to a playground nearby and one of jay's neighbors greg um is also at the park just hanging out he's just having mm-hmm. a cigarette at the park um yeah. <laughs> and they are basically they're gonna get away they're gonna leave they're gonna put some distance between um jay and it and try you know get as far away as possible Mm. um so greg's offered to drive them and jay has thought up the plan that they're going to confront q and Mm. ask him what the hell is going on what do we do here what the heck and so they track him down by figuring out his real address uh i can't how did they find it out because i remember there was like something they did to find him there's Um, some top-notch scooby-doo work going on yeah so the, the the gang go to they find they go to Hugh's house or what what he has said has been his house yeah and it's like it's an abandoned shack of a place you know it's like there's nothing in there except for really really oddly uh, porn magazines yeah but again th- those magazines look like they're from the 1960s it's so weird exactly. but it's yeah. so weird um and then in there they find like um they find like a slip of paper that references his high school. And then they travel to the oh, high that's school. Right, yeah. They find they find him in the yearbook in the high school, and then someone points them in the right direction. But that's the one that's got well there in the library of the high school. That the you know that they're talking to the librarian. Yeah. There's this uh, panoramic shot with the camera spinning round and round in a three hundred and sixty degree, mm. and every time it passes the window, there's someone in white getting closer and closer to the yes. window. Yes. And it's Ugh. like we just want you to scream like. Get out of the library, but thankfully, never been in the same spot for too long. Get out, yeah, 
yeah. thankfully it doesn't quite make it to her on that occasion but like as an audience it's brilliant the way that it reminds us it's like yeah she doesn't know it's there but we're going to remind you that it's there and it's still yeah. coming for her um and the scene mm. like I, I, I love i love when she initially escapes the tall man and like where she travels to is the play park you know and it's like it's sort of like hammering home that thing again like we don't know how old this girl is and she's yeah. just traveling to somewhere that that she she associates with sort of like safety and happiness and and it's it, I, I just find that like i said it just adds to that overall sort of like feel of the film where like you don't really know you just yeah. don't know and it, it, it's oh, I, honestly it's just it's so layered i, I do i, I love yeah. how much you can feel back from it it's i just yeah this film's just fantastic and it's like such a terrifying analogy and metaphor as well that it's yeah. like, oh my god. Um, yeah. As, as so, I said to my daughter, like, all boys are evil. And that's what this film's telling. Me. <laughs> just, just listen to it. Boys suck. <laughs> boys suck. They're the worst. Those guys. Ah, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> so Jay tells Hugh that we need to know the story exactly what is happening. Mm-hmm. And he tells Jay that she needs to sleep with someone else in order to pass on the curse. And so she wasn't, like, too pleased about that whole idea, yes, yes. obviously. But, um, you know, at least he, he was honest from the start with her about how to pass this curse on. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, she's incredibly pissed off. Yeah. Um, I love that he is, they're sitting in, like, a circle out on his, in his backyard kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, you don't have fences on your backyard? That's weird. Um, anyway, and there's like a girl walking past and he is so on edge because of the way that she's looking at the group yep. that he's just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And yep. But she just like, he's like yelling, can you see her? Can you see her? And they're like, yes, yeah. <laughs> he's real. And then she just like walks past them and he's like, anyway. <laughs> But it's also great, isn't it, that by this stage, the, the group of friends, with the exception of Greg, but the, the, the rest of the group have just bought into it as well. Like, they believe yeah. her. And fun. again, it's like, in other films, that would be like a, a five-minute scene where she has to try and convince them something happens. And, but there's none yeah. of that. They just, it's like, no, no, we, we, we believe you, we trust you, and we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, which is great. Again, it's, it's such an economy of storytelling because like, they've done such a good job of showing you how close-knit that group is as well earlier in the film. Yeah. You get to spend enough time with them where you, you, you do feel that bond. And so you do believe it. Like if, if, she, if she's telling you this is real, you believe that they would believe that that's the case, which is great. Yeah. I, and, and the thing is, they don't dismiss her at all because, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I view this as a very uh, film talking about, you know, believing others on their assault and things like that. And, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that can be taken from the allegory um perspective like um element of the film and the fact that they don't dismiss her they don't judge her they don't say anything why would you do that why would you sleep with him Mm -hmm. no shaming and they're like we're going to support you because you'd Mm -hmm. hope that if that situation ever happened to you in real life that your friends would do the same thing yeah i mean even the when she first tells them and they don't quite believe the supernatural element of it they still rally around her you know they all spend the night at her house and they look after her which yeah. speaks volumes about when they see her reaction in the house to the tall man, they just, right, yeah. it's real, we believe you. Okay, we she really it. sees this. Whether it's yeah. like a psychological symptom or exactly. whatever uh-huh. it is, we, we believe her, we're going to look after her in this situation. Yeah, we're going to find a way to help her any way that we can. Mm-hmm. 
so they go back to Greg's house and Jay decides that she needs to learn how to use a gun. Don't know what use it's going to yes. be, but um, <laughs> so while they are sitting by the water at, um, is this at Greg's or have they already driven somewhere with the gun? So they've gone to Greg's, uh, gotten the gun, and then they, they drive. Yeah, they? and they go to Greg's, yeah. Greg's mum's beach house, and that's, that's where they, right. they're going to yeah. spend the night there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is kind of a very uh, decrepit beach house. But... Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Oh, well. <laughs> but that, that's another one of those points where, like, when they're driving there in the car, she says, don't you think your mum will be upset? And he just goes, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, right, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure uh, you? you don't want to tell your yeah. mum? how detached the adults are from this and it's like well has jay told her her mum where she's going or she just say oh i'm going to disappear for a couple of days it's fine um yeah exactly, exactly. That's good. Uh, <laughs> i really like this this is probably one of my other favorite scenes of the film yeah. where we do see the entity um like pull the hair up yep it's horrible oh, oh yeah and they're all like oh wait a second okay this all is yeah. physically real Okay, yeah. cool. We're sold. Fantastic. I find I find that scene almost scarier than the tall man because when it's one of those scenes that's in, that's given it gives the audience the agency in it because we see it coming. Yeah, we see it coming from quite far off. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing we can, there's nothing we can do. We just have to sit there and let it happen. Wait. <laughs> yeah, because all of her friends are facing it, so they can they can see where it's coming from, but obviously can't see it. Yeah. Um and. And again, this shameful is to be telling my second or third watch to get us. The person that's coming towards her is her friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, in the ocean. I totally missed that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just like and when see when it cuts to the point of view of her friends, and as you said, you just see her hair raising up as it grabs a hold of her. Oh, it, yeah. the pit of my stomach falls out. It's horrible every time, and it's just yeah. so well. It's well filmed. The soundtrack mm -hmm. is always so incredibly atmospheric yeah. to support everything that happens uh -huh. that the tension that's built in like from the get-go in this film is just like like a tight shoestring like yeah, you know you're, you're just waiting for it to snap kind of thing and in moments like that and the, the scene with the tall man as well the score does so much to kind of like as you say to to maintain that that feeling of tension so it's like you, all, yeah. you get it through the, the motion through what you're seeing but the score does such a lot of work to kind of keep you in that headspace even yeah. when she even when she gets away from it that screeching sort of synth like just holds you in that state of panic because that's where she is and so you're there with yeah. her as well it's great yeah it's such and, far out the soundtrack is just so amazing yeah. I, I would I'd love so when I was in high school, I actually went to a performing arts school. So I played classical music throughout high school. Right, and okay. when I got to about maybe year 10, I was like, do you know what I want to do for a living? I want to choose soundtracks for movies. I want to choose like the cool songs that go like on the OST or, you know, not the score or anything, but like the soundtrack. That's really like, cool. But how cool would that job be? Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I wish I did that. That would have been cool. <laughs> There's still time, Kat. There's still time. You can make it happen. There is still time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't even know what that job is called. Um, <laughs> it'd be a lot of pop punk music. Um, <laughs> people will be like, Simple Plan again. <laughs> Who's choosing? Oh, it's it's Kat Benstead choosing. Ah, okay. Yeah, no. uh, makes sense. <laughs> so um, there, after the um, Jay's ponytail is pulled up, and mm -hmm. she's the only one who can see it, 
they they all run into the boathouse to try and get away and um greg doesn't go in with them but um he kicks the door trying to see what they are doing trying to get into the um trying to get into the house i think it's the thing that kicks the door in because it when Greg shows, be. yeah. because when Greg shows up, I think he shouts to them like, you know, what, what the, what the have you done to the door? And they're yeah. all like, it wasn't us, it wasn't us. And yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, because then it, it appears briefly, doesn't it, at the window as a child as hole, uh, in the as, hole in the door. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, in the bottom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and it and it's oh my god, it's so creepy. Mm. And again, the, the child is the little boy from earlier in the film. Who was peeping on Jay when she was in the pool at the back of oh, the house? Oh, was it really? <laughs> Again, three or yeah. four attempts through before I realised like, wow. that's that little boy. It's horrible. That's such a good way to do it as well because these people aren't yeah. necessarily strangers to Jay. They're people mm-hmm. that she sees in everyday life and yeah. wouldn't expect what... to see them like stalking and hunting her down to kill her. Yeah, which is what I think adds to the rules or ch- a slight change in the rules. It, it could have got her long before this. But I think it's enjoying what it's doing. I think it enjoys verifying oh, yeah. her, and like yeah. it could have. While she was in the the, the the sort of the shed where they retreat to, I think it could have got her as that little boy. Like those kids, oh, her yeah. friends couldn't have stopped it, but it chooses not to. It almost like, like it when she just, gets it away, just retreats. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um. So Jay decides that she's going to get the hell out of there and goes and gets in the car. <laughs> Quite right. Uh, rightly so. Um, so she actually manages to shoot it, but it obviously mm. doesn't die. But because it's, um, it approaches her as a tall old man, and mm. then Paul, and then she shoots it, gets in the car and drives away, leaving them at the boathouse. But she crashes into a cornfield. Excuse me, ending up back in hospital again with a broken yeah. arm. <laughs> and again it's like it, it using logic which this film won't do it should have got her well she, when she crashed in the car there's no reason why yeah. it couldn't have caught her it clearly chooses when it's going to come for her which i love yeah. I, again it, it shows you that well those rules that we told you earlier in the film ignore them it's like you know yeah. they, they may appeal to some of it but not all of it it's got some of its own rules that it's definitely yeah, absolutely. yeah maybe it's just like a Depends what it feels like at that point in time. Yeah. You know, maybe it wants to fuck around. <laughs> mess people's lives up. Yeah. Uh, so while she's in hospital, uh, she's spending her days with her friends and, of course, Greg, who she develops some feelings for at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And she knows that she needs to pass the curse on to someone else. Her and Greg end up sleeping together in her hospital beds in hopes of passing the curse on to him. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to happen that way. I think because they've organised it. Well, see, right. So again, this is something that I'm not clear on. So three days pass, and yes. he hasn't seen anything. Like he says, like, like it's been three days, haven't seen anything. But there is a scene in the midst of that where he's at the mall with these girls chatting, talking, laughing, joking. And only having watched it again last night, I was thinking, has he slept with one of those girls and passed the cuss to them? Because he doesn't believe it. He says that, like, you know, he yeah. thinks it's something else. So I'm, I'm a, I, I kind of wonder, because he's, he's very much, he's a bit of a player. Yeah. That comes across. So I think 
maybe that he slept with one of those girls and he's just not seen her for a few days and it's the thing has got her before it moves back to him, which is what gives him a couple ah, of days. Like but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's yeah. the case. It, it's, again, it plays with yeah. that, that notion. It, it could be that or it could be, like you said, it, it doesn't care about what we think the rules are. It's yeah. it will do what it's going to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, and especially because they planned it to pass the curse on to him, maybe yeah. uh-huh. it's like, well, I'm not going to chase him because uh-huh. that's not fun anymore. He knows. He's expecting me now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. This entity is a woman, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I genuinely couldn't say that I actually can't say that <laughs> that sounds like something I would do if I was a sexually transmitted curse <laughs> manipulating the whole situation <laughs> um, because he does uh, run into Yara Paul and Kelly playing cards on their front doorstep and t- he tells them haven't seen anything it's been a few days I don't think mm-hmm. it's real but uh, Paul is absolutely devastated that uh, Jay and Greg have slept together. Poor Paul. Um, so later, Jay is back at home. And, uh, oh, sorry, Jay's already home at this point, but she's resting and she sees Greg oh. walking down the street to his house. Um, so when he gets to his window, he breaks it and goes through the window. Yeah. Uh, so Jay realizes that it has taken the appearance of Greg in that in that situation. It kind of like manipulated um, Paul Kelly and Yarra yep. in that sense as well, which is really fascinating. It's when it walks in, um, you know. It, why is he wearing a, a pair of white long johns as well? I hope that's not what Greg really wears to bed. No t-shirt and a pair of long johns, and that's it. It's like what was he wearing? What's that? Um, but yeah, it's a unique look. The thing, the thing obviously isn't a big fashion fan, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Purpose for me. Yeah. Fashion with a purpose. No. Yes. Yeah, fashion for, you know, good good sense of <laughs> clothing taste. <laughs> but I love that he just breaks his window and goes in yeah. that. Like use a door. I, I like the reminder though that, it, that the entity is a thing. You know what I mean? That it can't just yeah. suddenly float into the I love that that like it if the door's locked, well, it can't get in I'm that. I'm going in the window. Find, yeah, it's going to find another way into your house, which I, I really like that. It's just a nice reminder that you're not dealing with a phantom or a, a ghost. You're dealing with a thing that's coming Yeah, very animalistic, very instinctual, uh-huh. rather than, you know, actually can think and problem solve and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay runs over to the house and... Um, She's peeking inside the window and sees it take on the appearance of Greg's mum. She tries to warn Jay, who is on the phone um, in the house. Oh, uh, actually, I can't really remember this scene very well. So she she phone, she tries to phone um, Greg and he, yeah. he won't answer. He ref- there's no answer. So she runs across, goes into the house herself, and that's yeah. where she finds him, just as it's banging on the door to try and get in. And it's appeared yeah. as, as his mum. It's, it's horrid. It's so horrid. Yeah. But honestly, um, I, 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 it's so disturbing. Oh, yeah. Because then the entity jumps on top of Greg and kills him, <sighs> which now sends the curse back to Jay, who runs off into the woods and is like, oh, no, fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> Quite right, Jay. Quite right. Keep going. I don't, look, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Um, so uh, when she wakes up in the morning, Jay is near the beach and she spots three men um, on a boat. 
Mm-hmm. And she undresses and goes into the water with the hopes of possibly sleeping with one of the men so she can pass the curse on to yeah. them. Uh, is unsuccessful, though. So, um, you know, it happens. You, you do wonder, like, I mean, something I've spoken about with, with my friends who've seen this film, is like, what, what lengths would you go to? Like, what would you do in that position? Like, yeah. I, I, think, I think short of, you know, like, befriending... A billionaire like Elon Musk or you know Mr. Bezos, Bezos <laughs> flying off to space to get away from it, you know. Um, but I don't know if that's maybe a worse fate than just letting the thing kill you than, than befriending one of those yeah. geeks. Oh, I'd um, rather I'd rather it kill me. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd invite it along with me. Actually, it's like come, come with me. You can get these guys when you're done with me. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like, so I'd invite it as it. It could be my little imaginary friend. I get on Spaceship X or whatever the hell Musk has called it. I take Musk and Bezos with me. I've so got a, a twofer. I like that, a twofer. Take both of them out. And then we distribute the wealth amongst all of us. <laughs> I like that. I'm on board with that plan. I can, I can get behind it. Finally, Kat, a leader I can get behind. Excellent. <laughs> Homicidal maniac. <laughs> yes, they always make the best leaders. I would have anyone say different. <laughs> now I really want to go to space. Um, <laughs> why can't I be rich and bored? Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, hey, maybe that's the sequel. Maybe it is. Like, it follows in space because that's quite well, trendy, I mean, isn't it? In horror sequels. Yeah, Jason's gone to space. And um, Ed went to space. Yeah. Yeah. The Leprechaun as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get it in space. Come on, let, we can make this it happen. in space. We need like a, we need it. Remember that Passengers movie with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, yes. Like that, but it follows instead. <laughs> well, I'd be all right if, uh, if the thing that Chris Pratt woke up from hypersleep was it. That'd be fine. I'd be a much more entertaining film. Just watch him being terrorized for half an hour before being ripped to shreds. I'd be okay with that, Cat. I wouldn't mind, honestly. <laughs> I wouldn't be fast. I'd buy a ticket to see that at the movies. This is the second time I've put shit on Chris Pratt in a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. That's what he's there for, I think. Um, I spoke with someone about Jurassic Park, and I was like, oh, you know, it would it would be so much better if Chris Pratt wasn't in them, or if he got eaten by a T-Rex. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not exactly, I don't like, I'm not huge, I don't hugely dislike Chris Pratt, but I do hugely dislike Passengers. It's, it's <laughs> honestly. I hated it too. It's. It's, um, I don't think it's telling the story it thinks it's telling. Yeah. <laughs> it thinks it's telling a heartwarming romance. It's like, no, 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 no. This man's a psychopath. This is not a good story. Yeah, They're not really. making it on his team. They do everything they can to get it on his side by the end. And at the end, all I can think is, no, 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 no. She's only decided to, to be with him out of like some bizarre Stockholm syndrome that, you know. Yeah. But, but she's trapped there forever. There's nothing she can do. You know, give her but a. She's now stuck with this man. Um, yeah. It's definitely Honestly. she has fallen in love because he's the only other person on that ship. I know we're slightly off topic, right? But when they're, revealing that film, when they're revealing that film comes that he has woke her up on purpose, in my head I went, ah, so it's a horror film and he's the villain. I get it. All right, that's quite good. And it's like, oh, no, no, it's not. It's still meant to be a romantic. Oh, like, yeah. No. Oh, this was it the romance? I was like, how is this? Re- this is a red flag. This isn't romantic. <laughs> it is so bad. It is, isn't it? It's terrifying. So, I'm, honestly, I'll never forget as long as I live watching that film and like, that moment like, when the reveal is made, in my head it clicked, oh, it's a clever horror film. That's what it is. But no, no, no. 
they just barrel through with their story they wanted to tell. It's terrifying. And you know what the worst thing is? There'd be people out there that would be like, oh, what a lovely love story. Yes. No. It's so nice, isn't it? Oh, look at them in love. You sicko. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Is that he was so in love with how you know how beautiful she is that she he chose to wake her up and destroy and... her life and chance for future happiness. Yeah. What a lovely prince, what a prince charming. Story. Oh, <laughs> I love how there's like all us film critics that are like, This is terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible, lazy wow. story writing. Everything like, about it, there are very, oh, yeah. there are. There are no redeeming features about that film. I will never no. revisit it, but it's... Although it's I still... did like the scene where they built the atrium. Pretty that cool. Was cool. Yeah, pretty cool. That was I'll cool. give you that. Yeah, just give me that bit in a short. I'll, I will give you just that as a short story. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence. Chris Pratt, I don't know, he can go to the bathroom or something. I don't care. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That's fine. That. <laughs> That'll be the director's cut. You know Chris Pratt in the movie. No Chris Pratt. It's Jennifer Lawrence building a nice garden. Yeah, aw, that, see, that seems wholesome. Do you know what she should have done? Woken up, killed him, and then lived her life really happily without him. Again, that would be a really great story. I'd be I'd be Better all movie. in on that. I thought, yeah, Better brilliant, movie. but no. Yeah. The movie that should have been written. I, I would love to sit down and talk about the gender politics in that film with the director and just, like, just make him understand. Make him understand why he's wrong. This is not romantic, you <laughs> weirdo. Yuck. <laughs> Um, so back at home, Paul is sacrificing himself at this point because not only is he in love with Jay, uh, he wants to help her out. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Jay's like, absolutely not, because I don't want you dying. Like you're one of my best friends. I don't want you to die. That is horrifying. Um, <laughs> I think she's in. I can't remember if she's in the backyard or if like it's a, like an attachment of the house. But she sees a naked man. Like spying on her from yeah. the roof. So it, it's when they it's when they've decided they've come up with what little plan they have. Yeah. And she's in the car, and the car reverses out, and like you said, on the on her roof, it's yeah. there. So so again, that's another thing. Like, what, why is it on the roof? It's only How on the roof to talk with her. That's all. The only reason it's there yeah. is waiting for her coming out so we can see. And it also has taken the form of her grandfather. That's her grandfather on the roof. Oh no, fucking way. Because again, you see early in the film, you see the picture of our grand and grandfather like on the yeah. wall, and then later in the film, it's him that's standing on the roof. How traumatizing having to see your naked grandfather. <laughs> yes, nobody needs that. Nobody needs that. Mm, I'd want it to like kill me after that, but not as my naked grandfather. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the problem. You see, yeah. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> Although I didn't meet either of my grandfathers because they passed away before I was born, so that would like that would mess me up even more. Because I'd be like, "You're meant to be dead." <laughs> um, I really like the plan that they devise. Uh, so they've headed off to um, a closed-down swimming pool because they're kind of hoping that if we can lure it into the water, we can electrocute it and kill it. And so they get there, and I love that they're setting up like all these electrical devices, like plugged into the wall all around the yeah. swimming pool, and it's like a really pretty, well thought out, and calculated plan. So, so I, I thought this as well. I thought it was quite quite a good idea, and um, they establish earlier in the film the impression that it doesn't like water. Yeah. Um, so obviously, at the, it, that's why so many people go to the beach because they've got their back to the ocean. They can't come from that direction. 
but also before they leave, Jay notices that it's destroyed her swimming pool. Like it's ripped its swimming pool. Yeah. And, and all the water's gone, so she can't get in there. Um, and then obviously we'll get into it in a bit more depth, but in the finale when, when she's there, it doesn't want to go in the water. It knows she's there, but it doesn't want to go in after her. Yeah. So I, I, I suspect that the water does make it weaker, like just being in the water, so it avoids it if yeah. it can. Or maybe it can't um, swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> very forcibly. It can but climb like, in windows and smash windows down, but cannot swim. I, I saw the director Makes talking sense. about... The, the director was talking about this plan. Now, again, much like yourself, I thought, that's quite good. You know, actually, he, he described it as the stupidest plan ever. <laughs> That's, the, that's how the director felt about it. He said, it's the stupidest plan ever. Um, it's kid logic. Um, yeah. And, and I agree with that. But that, again, I think that plays into the, the, the feeling of the, of the film. That's yeah. how they're going to beat it, you know, lure it into the swimming pool and electrocute it. And then kill um, it. <laughs> yeah, and then kill it. Which you know, and there's, there's me going, that is a, the best plan I've ever heard. But, but that's, that's what I felt about it as well. I was like, this is really clever. This is what I would do. Yeah. Brilliant. And then the director's like, nah, 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 this is nonsense. But this okay, is that's nonsense. Like... <laughs> yeah, all right, okay. Fine, you're only, the, you're only the director, buddy. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> you wrote this. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, it's a, there's a British critic, uh, Mark Remode, to quote, he's got a great phrase, which is, um, trust the tale, not the teller. And I always believe that as well. Yeah. So it's like, that's what you're seeing, not what the guy who made it is telling you you're seeing. <laughs> I believe that. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I can do that in this circumstance. <laughs> um, so she's also got the gun with her. Uh-huh. And they've set up the the pool to bait um, it to get into the pool. And uh-huh. so Jay is in the swimming pool when this all happens. And when she spots it, it comes in as the appearance of her father. Ugh. Which I yeah, think doesn't have much to do with their lives, which would be so. Anno- I'd be angry. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, you're right. It's like it's very difficult to tell what part he played in their lives because we see the pictures of him, but that's all you see. Yeah. Not really spoken about, so he's just not around anymore. So hmm. he's either he's either passed on or like he's he's abandoned them in some way. But it's very telling that when it starts to attack, um, her sister screams, "What is it?" And she says, "I don't want to tell you." Yeah, you know, what I mean? and that's it's so sad because it's like it just adds that that layer of like, well, what what happened there? there Maybe there's their a, dad there's did a something story traumatizing there. to them. Yeah, and, uh-huh. yeah, horrible. Her poor sister. Mm. Um. However, it has adapted pretty quickly and realizes what the plan is, and <laughs> starts throwing the electrical devices into the pool to try and kill Jay. Yes. Um, which is really frigging. Horror. This whole scene is so chaotic. Yeah, um, it's really, it's yeah. really scary. It is, it's like it, yeah. it's there's so many horror films that don't really stick their ending or like their big sort of like denouement. But I think this one gets it spot on. And again, yeah. it, show, it, it, it reminds you again of the malevolence of this thing. The power. I mean, it's throwing TVs at her like it's nothing. Yeah. You know, like trying to hit her. Yeah, electrocute her. It's so terrifying. Yeah, it's like in earlier. It's like earlier in the film when it appears on the beach and it swats. Uh, it's Paul, I think it swats away, and then Paul pulls up his his t shirt and you see there's claw marks down his, his yeah. torso. And again, it's just that thing of, of always reminding you that what you're seeing isn't what it is, which I love. It's great. Yeah. That's even more scary. 
yeah, like yeah. the whole um, nothing is what it seems kind of yeah. situation that the whole it entity is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Paul has the gun for some reason and ends up <laughs> <laughs> shooting Yara and hurting her in his process of attempting yeah. to shoot it but then manages to shoot it in the head because Jay has directed him like where yeah. to shoot and whatnot. Um, and so they think that they've killed the entity because Jay can no longer see it. So I don't so know we, what that could so, be. So I think she, they, they put the, they throw a sheet over it so that they can like find it. Yeah. And then he shoots it in the head and it falls into the water, but it's still alive in the water because it grabs her it leg. It grabs Jay, yeah. Yeah, and then when he's firing, sort of, as you said, wildly into the water and he hits it again, that's when it seems to mm. to, to die. So again, I wonder if that, that adds more to the, like, in the water, it's much weaker and it, it can't yeah. deal with the same sort of punishment. Yeah, mm. I think that might be it, yeah. Because, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because the bullet to the head when it's standing outside the water... Does nothing. Doesn't nothing, does, yeah, it, yeah. It, it just comes for her again. But the bullet in the head, in, in the water, is very different. Uh-huh. yeah. Hmm. I need to like. I wish there was like it was built on a story that it, like folklore that existed so that I could yeah. research oh. it. Damn. So <laughs> again, though, I, that's I think that's why I love it so much is that sort of like the chaotic nature of it of mm. like of constantly undermining the expected rules that it's giving you, constantly yeah. like letting you think that oh well he shot in the head that's it dead now, and then all of a sudden it's coming right back for her. And then when he shoots in the head a second thing, somehow that works. It's great. It's like, well, what's the logic behind that? And it doesn't Exactly. Work. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I wish this was a creature I could research. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Make my life so much like easier <laughs> if someone did the thinking for me. Um, so they head home and Paul and Jay finally have sex. Uh, we see Paul driving to the rundown part of town. So they live in Detroit. Didn't know that until now. Um, where we see sex workers walking the street. Mm-hmm. So obviously there is a point where we see the illusion that um, Paul is passing it on to a sex worker. Because honestly, Paul, obviously, you know, the whole thought they work in the sex industry, they'll quickly pass this curse mm-hmm. onto the next client and then it'll yeah. continue to spread from that client onwards, putting more space mm-hmm. between Jay and and the and it i also think it's quite clever because even so if the sex worker passes it on to someone and then it kills that person i suppose the logic would be that she would have sex with someone else before it came back for her back to her yeah yeah but, but then you're just creating this never-ending like Michael. death machine do you know what i mean like everybody she's dying <laughs> like i would love to follow her for a, a film to find out right, what happens there because yeah. that's terrifying that yeah. yeah, and then eventually, like, she's going to get interrogated by the police. And... Yes, exactly. Where does that go? <laughs> yeah, it's not like, you know, um, some random woman would be able to kill them the way that the entity kills people as well. So it's yes. kind of like the police are like, who is this woman? Yeah. That'd yeah, be it. Yeah. And then it's like a whole police procedural movie. I'd watch that. Absolutely. I'd It'd be, be interesting. That. Yeah. <laughs> So at the end of the film, we see Jay and Paul walking down the street hand in hand. Behind them, we see a person following along. And the, the person following along is wearing a white T-shirt in yeah. the distance. Yeah, which, yeah. Again, missed that totally the first time I saw it. And it's like, well, 
oh, it's hor- that, that ending's lovely and horrible and wonderful in all the and, right ways. Like, oh my god, it's it's now coming back for them. Yeah. Like, That's there's, coming. um, throughout the film, um, there's, uh, oh, sorry, let me just check my notes. What's her name? Her friend Yara, sorry, her friend is reading uh, The Idiot by Dostoevsky. Oh, really? And, yeah. The, she, the final quote that she gives is brilliant. I'm just going to quickly read it here. It's only it's very yeah. brief. Um, and I think it just sums up like what the film's doing. So she, she reads a quote from the idiot that uh, says, And the most terrible agony may not be in the wound themselves, but in knowing for certain that your soul will leave your body and you will no longer be a person, and that this is certain. The worst thing is that it is certain. And that kind of sums up the film. That's like yeah. the worst thing about the whole that is this unavoidable, inescapable notion that you can fight and scream and kick and prod and have sex and do whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter. Still, it, it's still it's coming, coming for you. Yeah. yeah. Really, honestly, that ending gives me shivers like, every time I see yeah. it because it's like, it's so open-ended. You can absolutely yeah. read, you can absolutely read it as they beat the thing. That's just some guy walking down the street. Or but the more likely, yeah, the more likely. It's the ends. entity coming back. Yeah. I remember the, the director did, when he was talking about potential sequels, he said one of the ideas he had would be to do a film called Follow It, where okay. you'd have Jay trying to follow the curse back to the originator, like by trying to trace who, like to go to Greg, then find out who gave it to him and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think that'd be quite an interesting film. Yeah. But, uh, I'd love to see something like that. Yeah, it's, it's so long has passed now, isn't it? Since that film yeah. came out, I just I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's kind of missed its mark. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit. I think it's probably that point yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, but, but, which again is fine because it kind of it stands alone so well as its own thing. And I genuinely think this is a horror film that people will be going back to thirty years, forty years from now, in the same yeah. way that we go back and we watch things like, well, like Nightmare on Elm Street or The Thing or Halloween. We'll like. Uh, like my grandchildren will watch this film because it's so yeah. timeless and weird and like a great yeah. standalone theme. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely taken off as that cult classic status of a film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there's two or three films that I have that I like absolutely evangelize about, and like this is one of them. But there's this yeah. um, this death of a vlogger and a film called A Dark Song are the three films that I think that like okay. of modern horror are underseen. And uh, yeah. you know, that deserve so much attention because there's so much. They're doing a lot more than just giving you a horror film. You know what I mean? There's a lot of depth, a lot of dark stuff going on. Um, yeah. And it, it follows is the most accessible, I think. Like, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think you need to to, to like, peel it back to enjoy this film. You can just enjoy yeah. it as a as a thrill ride, as a, of a horror film. But if you want to engage with the material, there's loads going on just under the surface. It's terrific, yeah, absolutely. Terrific. absolutely. It's definitely one of those films that I've been meaning to read editorials and expose kind of style writing on because I'd really love to, like you said, peel back all those layers and see different perspectives about it because it is so, so wonderful in that sense that it, you can provide so many amazing thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, like, like you said, things like um, dealing with survivors of abuse or the way in which we deal with, with, with people who have been assaulted um, or you know, like the the natures of, of modern uh, sexual practices and how like um, for granted people take safe sex, all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah. like there's, there's loads of stuff just just lurking beneath the sort of the, the depth of a really cool horror story. 
which is brilliant. Yeah. It's so it's so, it's so rare that you get something as fully formed and as well executed. You know, normally mm-hmm. you, what you trade one off for the other. You know, not yeah. of the debt. You don't get both. <laughs> yeah, but, but in this, it's like it's just it's a brilliant horror story, well told, with a mountain of stuff just under the surface. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to do some reading on it tonight. Yeah, yeah it's I'll well be like, I need time. to read all the things about it now. <laughs> <laughs> So that, everybody, is It Follows. Thank you, uh, Hugh, for bringing that film to the podcast finally. I'm glad someone did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very welcome. It was, it was great. It was lovely talking about it. Like, genuinely, it's one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. And I go back to it quite regularly. Good. Everybody should be. So before we wrap up, uh, the question, as always, is what is the last horror movie you watched? So the last horror film I watched... Um, I, I don't even know if you would how you would class this film. I, I, I definitely class it as a horror film. I mean, I, I, know I, I can argue that point with people. Uh, as a film called uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, I love um, that movie. Right. <laughs> I'm so, obsessed with that movie. <laughs> right, so I, I had, again, completely missed this film. And it recently dropped on Netflix in the UK. Yeah. And I was, I was looking for a COVID uh two weeks ago and I was like quite <laughs> ill and I was just I was lying in bed and I had Netflix on I was just hopping along and you know if you leave if you leave it sitting on a film it plays a short scene from the film yeah so I just let it was on this and the scene that it played is the scene with um Barry is it is it Keegan is that how you pronounce his surname Barry Keegan Keo? and and Colin Farrell and it's the scene when they're in the hospital canteen oh, where yeah. he is explaining the rules of what's happening to him. Yeah. I'd never heard of this film before. And as I was watching it, I was just getting drawn further and further towards the screen. Like, what is this? And that was it. I put, put it on. It's horrifying. It's, yeah. it's upset. It really upset me. Like, But I mean that in a positive mm. way. Like, it, it moved me. It was horrible. The final act, the last oh. 25 minutes are just... Traumatising. Yeah, really, really difficult to watch. And I was also surprised at how funny it was. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit a off kilter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, very briefly. So the, the premise is obviously that Col- uh, uh, is it Colin Farrell? No, it's Colin Farrell. Has to choose a it's, member of his family. Is it, um, is it Col- yeah, it's Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell has to choose a member of his family to die or all of his family will die. And yeah. that's kind of the, the dilemma that he's put with in the first, ha- uh, the first half of the film. And it's in his, the ways in which he tries to make that decision, I found quite blackly comic, you know. And oh, yeah. The, the but also, like, home. horrifying at the same time. Yeah. But yeah. the scene where he visits the school and he, he's talking to his children's headmaster and he's like, which one of them's better at maths? Which one of them's better <laughs> yeah. at English? And then he says to him, if you had to pick, who would your favourite be? Like, no, no, this is not the way to make this decision. Oh, my God. When Nicole Kidman, who's his wife, and she's yeah. saying, you know, we can always have more kids. You know, I can have IVF and we can... What's, what, what am I watching here? What is this? What the fuck? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like a proper modern Greek that, tragedy. Um, the, the, the... Excuse me, everyone, um, for typing, because the... Oh, I'm just grabbing... Gra- yeah. Uh, I can't even... Um, so the writer of this screenplay has done quite a few films that I really want to watch. So he did a film called The Lobster. Um, oh, yes. 
that I really, really, really want to see, and it also has Colin Farrell and Rachel Wise in it. A Wise, sorry. Uh, the, yeah, sorry. The really... Absolutely terrific. You'll enjoy yeah. that. That's a really good film. Yeah. I really, really want to see that. So um, <laughs> it's, I don't even, I'm going to try and buy it on a region free, like a 4K copy if I can find it overseas, right. because literally can't get it here. Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere, anywhere has it. Um, no streaming services that I can access. So whatever. I just yeah. won't be able to watch it, which is fine. <laughs> it's definitely worth seeking out, the Lobster. It's really good. And again, it's got that same sort of off kilter black comedy yeah. but also quite I, I, found, I found the lobster quite sad at points as well but you know but it's, it's very good well worth your time, well worth your time. yeah because it's kind of like that uh it's a dystopian where there's like not many people so it says here in the film single people are given 45 days to find romantic partners or otherwise they're turned into animals turn me into yes. an animal Come on. <laughs> you don't even have to give me 45 days i've made my it's day one i've made my decision i hate everybody just turn me into an animal <laughs> What animal you want to be? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a reindeer. <laughs> That's a good shout. That's a, a good shout. Or a fox. They look, they're cheeky. Or a beagle. <laughs> I, look, I have a list. I have a, I have a yeah. list. Let me just get cat's animal diary out one second. Clunk. We'll just uh, have a look at here we go. It's like, you know, six million pages. <laughs> uh, maybe I'd be a dinosaur. I don't know. Do I, can I be anything is the question. That, that, yeah. <gasps> I'd be a crocodile. <laughs> I have a weird obsession with gators. So. <laughs> I've literally told people that if I was ever killed by a crocodile, I wouldn't be upset. A, if I get into that situation and am killed, I deserve it. Uh, yeah, if I get well, in a situation true. where I'm going to get killed by a crocodile, I, I fucking deserve it. So. Well, I mean- I suppose being rolled to death by a crocodile is something that would make the news as well. Do you know what I mean? I'd so it's like, I'd be famous. What, what a way to go. What a way to go out. Yeah, no, okay, I can get behind that. Globally famous. Maybe yeah. my nieces can earn some money, like from exclusive interviews about how cool I am. So, yeah. like, I'll, sure. you know. She always said she wanted to be gold to death by a crocodile, so mm, she'll be yeah, happy. I'm doing it. I hope she's happy wherever she is. <laughs> she made her dreams come true. <laughs> horror movie i watched was wormwood apocalypse which is quite funny it's um have you seen the original wormwood so disappointingly no um i had it sitting on my my like digibox like recorded mm. it on, t- on tv one night and i just never got round to it and then it was showing at the fright fest a couple of weeks ago as well and because i hadn't watched the first one it's like well no you it seems uh, madness. i hadn't seen the first one until after i'd watched apocalypse oh so, really oh, right, right. yeah I'm not gonna lie to you. I also used it as an excuse to go and get more beer, um, just because it was a it was the last thing on the Friday night, and like a lot of my colleagues were heading to the pub. Oh, so you're like, oh, I'm gonna go to the pub. It's really cool. Uh, I've not seen the first fun. one, so I will get to it because yeah. um, my, my colleagues who did stay for the screening said that it was like it was bonkers. It was so a lot of fun, fun watching it. Yeah, so yeah I think I'll, I think I'll maybe what I'll do is I'll wait until I can get a hold of. In fact, you know what? I think I've got a screener somewhere for that. I mean, dig it out. And yeah, I'm going to screen back to back. So you'll probably have it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I've got it somewhere. I had that weird thing before you go to a festival where they send you the screeners of almost all the films. And it's like, oh, I don't want to watch them now. I want to wait and I'm enjoy them at the festival. festival. I'm going. All the festivals are no. overseas for me. So I kind of am grateful that they. Oh, well, no, that, that's good. For me. Yeah. We do have a horror um, film festival coming up next week. So I'm going okay. to try. 
try and make it to a, you know a showing or two. Well, that'll be good. They're doing. Uh, they've done a 4K restoration of Possession, so I think I'm gonna go see that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd I be, love that be... movie so much. So. I've never seen it on the big screen as well, so yeah, that in itself would be worth going for. That'd be excellent. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. So thank you so much for joining me. This has been no, an no. absolute pleasure. I'm so sorry it took us so long to, to oh, finally no, get wait. to this moment. Oh, life gets in the way, unfortunately, sometimes, life's... doesn't it? So you just oh, life's a at the son moment. of a gun. <laughs> That's what I want to do with it. Um, I've just yeah. had enough. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining me and for being so understanding with everything. As life no, does no, get no. in the way, doesn't it? It does. Damn that life. Damn <laughs> so that where can life. listeners uh, find you? On the um, social media. So on social media, I'm um, at eighty one on Twitter. Um, that's kind of the only social media I do. I don't really do Facebook or anything yeah. like that. Um, but I'm, I'm on there. Uh, I tend to post uh, anything that I've done or anything I've got coming up. Um, if you want to see any of my writing, uh, you can have a look at my reviews and interviews at the London Horror Society. Um, it's kind of very well laid out. There's a whole section with all the stuff that I've done, and it's easy to find. Um, just go on the old Google. Um, and in terms of my creative writing, I've got, what have I got? I've got a short horror story called Strange Fruit that was just published in the Bloody Good Horror Anthology. Um, and I've got another one called The Forever March, which is coming out in an anthology called The Hunger of the Old Stars, which is kind of like a, a Lovecraftian uh, collection Ooh. of short stories. So I, I was trying to get involved with that for ages, and I'm delighted I managed to get a story in. Um <laughs> Awesome. And also, I've got a, I've got a couple of short stories that are weird, sort of like superhero horror stories that are in a shared universe that we kind of work on. There's like 12, 13 writers all work on it. Wow. So that anthology comes out, I think, next month. It's hard to keep it. I can't remember exactly. But it's, it's out soon. <laughs> it'll be out soon. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be on my Twitter. If anyone's interested, yeah. they, can, they can head up there and find it. Awesome. And that's it, yeah. Great. So, and thank so, you. Listen, thank, oh, sorry. No, thanks so much for having me on. No, I just want no, to say thank you. you. Grateful. I really enjoyed it. It was great. And uh, like I said, that, that film is brilliant. I'm really, really good to have a, a proper chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you, listeners. If you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to leave a rating room review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can catch the latest from me on Twitter at catstead underscore or on Instagram at hearascreamcat. To catch all the latest from the podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at TGIF Podcast underscore don't know why i put the underscore in i'm i don't know what i'm doing with twitter (laughs) you've been listening to tgif see you next friday